things that used to be a mighty army. To him it looked like the fighting days were done. But driven by your calling on his life, you spoke God's words, the bones began to shake. You stared wide-eyed as the flesh began to form. And as it prophesied to the wind, the soldiers began to wake. And the Lord sent his wind into the valley and breathed the breath of life into their souls and raised them again a mighty army. But soon these arisen warriors will battle again. But they have been filled with the Spirit. A pastor stands before his congregation, once a mighty army for the Lord, but now he stares into the lifeless eyes, believers leading carnal lives, wonders what they're fighting for, but driven by your calling on his life, he spoke God's word like he'd done a hundred times before, but this time he comes broken and weeping, the tears of a broken heart, and he cries out to the
<laughs> is everybody awake? Am I seeing, seeing everybody in here? Yeah. I hear some, some people that are a little bit awake. I'm going to have you guys come on in and sit down. Good morning, Frank. <laughs> come on in and, and we will get started this morning. We are excited to see you guys here. Okay, it's time. We're going to start this service. <laughs> Maybe. They say women talk a lot, but you know what? We got a little powwow going on back here. <laughs> and see so who's there in the middle of it. Do we see who's in the middle of it? I know it. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, we are glad to see you guys here this morning. Welcome, online family. We have not forgotten you. We care about you and we pray for you. We miss you being here and we want you to know that. So grab your cup of coffee and get ready to worship with us because we want you to be part of it. Okay. So we're excited about that. And we wanted to make sure that you guys are aware of just a couple things. First of all, this week we have on Wednesday at 630 prayer night. We have prayer night. We have had to cancel because of the weather a couple times, but plan on it unless you get an email because we are here and we are excited about what God's doing and he is moving in this church and we are excited about that he has a plan he is pushing it forward it is kingdom agenda stuff and a lot of that needs to be well all of it needs to be completely covered in prayer so we want you guys to be there and be a part of that it's exciting and it's a really wonderful time together so I'm going to encourage you every week to come even if it's once a month, would you consider coming just once a month? It makes a difference. We want you to be there. We want you to be with us so we can bond this church and so we can follow the Holy Spirit's lead because he's working. Amen? <clears throat> Amen. All right. Next thing, March 13th. Well, let me try that again. March 13th is when our new interim pastor will be here, and it is Ben and Kelly Spittler pastors Ben and Kelly Spittler. And later on, we're going to show you a video of them, so you'll be paying attention. But uh, they are going to be here on the 13th. And God's doing stuff, guys, so we're excited about that. And um, we are going to continue that, so I wanted to make sure that you guys know. So would you stand? And before we get started today, would you greet the people around you? Say good morning. Say hello. Wake them up if they look tired.
man, are you, are you woke up now? Are you awake? <laughs> That's your morning worship coffee right there. Oh, amen. He is good, isn't he? Oh, the time. That's right. I'm letting my eyes adjust a little bit because the lights are so bright, and I'm going to read you guys something. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Let me just tell you <clears throat> how God's moving. You know, we have been praying for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine and the Ukraine and how everything is going over there, and it's just, oh, we need to pray, pray, pray. So a couple of things that I wanted to share with you. These are some pastors um, that have um, been working with the Ukraine or are from Russia. This is Pastor Chuck Sunberg, and he wrote this letter. I'm going to read you this excerpt from it. It says, what should the people of God do? In a divided world, we the church, God's people, must remain united. Please, my precious sisters and brothers, don't let anger of this time steal your love for each other. Anger is a natural and expected response to what is happening. Love is not expected. Let me repeat that. Love is not expected. Under the circumstances, but a radical response from God's spirit-filled people. The world needs to see the kind of love in all of us. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, 43 and 44, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus was radical in how he lived and what he taught. And he's calling us to be radical too. Then I wanted to read another one. That uh, is from Pastor Sylvia Cortez. She is one of the co-senior pastors at Shawnee um, Church of the Nazarene in Kansas. And she is actually from Russia. And this is uh, from a word that was sent from a Ukrainian soldier to her. And this Ukrainian soldier said to her, we feel your prayer and support. Sometimes something really inexplicable happens. As if someone's invisible hand really takes bullets and shells away from us and they fly past us. We emerge victorious from difficult situations as if someone is accompanying us. We become invisible to the enemy and we ourselves see even the complete darkness and we know what to do and how to do it. It inspires us and gives us strength and we believe that the Lord Jesus himself is for Ukraine. We ask you not to stop, support us, and continue to pray. We really need you. So that's from a Ukrainian soldier. So prayer matters. Prayer matters. And we need to continuously pray for them. So we're just going to take a moment. We're going to pray for them this morning. And I want you guys to join in. And let's just knock on the doors of heaven for the people of Ukraine. So pray with me, you guys. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning. And we lift up Ukraine. We ask you to protect them. We ask you to intervene. But Lord, show yourself. Show yourself to those people. They're trusting you, Jesus. There are many Christians there. But Lord, there are people that are not saved. Even the Russian soldiers, Lord. We ask you to use the Ukrainian people to get your gospel to those, those soldiers that are Russian, Lord. Lord, I ask you to end this conflict quickly. But however long it takes, we know that you are Lord of all. We know that you will protect and that you will do what is needed. 
And Lord, I ask you to make a big sweep with your Holy Spirit and get new kids for the kingdom there. Lord, we trust you with them, and this church is going to pray for them. We are committed to pray. And we know that they need to feel your spirit there, Jesus, and need to see you moving. So we trust you with that, and we ask you to be with those people. And Lord, I ask you to knock on the doors of our hearts and make us uncomfortable so we remember to pray. I pray that you will make us antsy, and when we feel that, that we will know you're telling us to pray. So Lord, you take over. It's yours. And as we worship this morning, Lord Jesus, I pray that we just get even closer to you, knowing how you're moving there. Lord, we love you, and this morning's about you, but we thank you for letting us come to your throne and lay this at your feet, and we trust you with it. And all God's people said, amen. Nothing. 
can stand against the power of our God. The mighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Shine in the shadow, win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God.
good, isn't he? He's so good with all the stuff going on in the world, in our community, and in our homes. He is still good, and he is still faithful. He still has a plan. I love watching his plans unfold, and sometimes, have you ever looked into somebody's life, and they've got this thing swirling around that they're dealing with, and they're just having a hard time, but you can see the light beginning at the end of their tunnel can kind of watch that. Have you seen that happen in somebody's life before where you know God's going to end it and it's coming? Man, when you see that, encourage them. Tell them to hold on. Hold on to Jesus because he is going to come through. He is going to come through. What he's doing in that process in us and around us is all part of his plan. And we get a front row seat, especially when we're in the middle of it. And if we can just step out of that circle for just a moment, when we're in that storm, if we can step out and go, Lord, I know you're here. I know you're here because your word says so, and you promised to be. And then you step outside and you look back into your circle and you go, there he is. He's there. So I'm going to trust him a little bit more and I'm going to believe him for what his word promises me and what he says because it's all part of his ultimate plan. So I hope that encourages someone if you're in the middle of a storm praying for you, even if we don't know about it, which reminds me, don't forget those prayer cards on your seats today. Boy, if you need prayer, we spend time on those. We take them serious and we want to pray for you. So make sure you put those in the offering plate or give them to me after the service because we are praying. You know God's doing that. So let's continue to worship Him.
spirit filling this place. Thank you for loving us unconditionally, Lord. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do this morning. We know you're in the midst of all of it. Father, we love you. I pray that you will take over the rest of this service, Jesus. That you will be the center of attention that you will teach us and challenge us, Lord. Thank you for letting us be here with you. And we love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to take the offering, continue to worship through that. So if I could have the ushers come forward, we'll receive that. And during the offering, we are going to show you a video of our new interim pastor's Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for giving to us. Thank you for all you're doing, Lord, in our church and in our people. Help us to love like you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, Woodland Life Church. Ben and Kelly Spittler and our dog Millie here. We are really looking forward to coming there and uh, sharing the journey with you and what we're praying will be an encouraging time, life-giving, direction-setting time together. Here's a little bit about us. We live in Gaithersburg, Maryland right now, and I'm originally from Ohio, a Buckeye with a little bit of time in Georgia and Pennsylvania. I was born in Salt Lake City, Utah, lived for a while in Loveland, Colorado, and then moved to Pennsylvania and uh, spent most of the time growing up in Pennsylvania. Kelly and I like hiking and reading and playing tennis and working in the yard. I enjoy doing projects like refinishing and painting furniture. I love playing volleyball. I love gardening. I love having people over. I like playing anything that involves a ball. Volleyball is okay. Basketball, football, softball, golf, and... Recently, we were introduced to the game of pickleball. We have a strong desire to truly follow Jesus and to make a difference in the world and to encourage his church. We love the church. We love God's word. We're willing to do just about anything uh, and are grateful for all that God has blessed us with. Um, We are so excited about this opportunity to serve as your interim pastors through Next Step Church Services. We've met Lori and Scott and Tracy. You have a wonderful staff there. We're looking forward to working with them. We met Tim Stearman. You've enjoyed his preaching for the last few months. Thank God for him. Looking forward to connect with him and all that happening soon. We've Zoomed with your board, and we really appreciate Jane and Cliff, Jerry and Tim, 
We've visited your website. We've watched a few services, and we've heard a little bit about your life and ministry there in your church, and it sounds like God is helping you and is blessing you and working in your lives. We're going to come alongside you for a season to uh, be of any help or encouragement we can be as you prepare for your next lead pastor and for the fruitful uh, years that God certainly has for you in the days ahead. We'll be pulling out from Gaithersburg, Maryland on March 4th. We're going to be going to our granddaughter's dedication on the 6th and then heading west and plan to be there uh, for services on March 13th. This is a new chapter for Kelly and I after 35 and a half years of pastoring one beautiful church here in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. And uh, maybe it's a new chapter for you, too. The words of the Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter 3 came to mind, forgetting what is behind it, reaching forward to what lies ahead. We press on to uh, win the prize, to head towards the goal that God has for us in Christ Jesus. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. We're so looking forward to meeting each and every one of you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. I, th I think she just gave the benediction, didn't she? So we can go now. Just do that. Kids, if you are, would like to head to Children's Church, you can do that now. They'll be waiting for you. Miss Tracy's right back there in the corner waiting to grab you and take you off to do some good things together. I'm excited about Pastor Ben coming. Uh, as he mentioned, we had a bit of a conversation this past week uh, during our staff meeting here. We uh, visited with him, and uh, I, like who, I like who I perceive him to be and look forward to him being here and leading us in these days that are ahead. Last Sunday, those of you who were here know that I had, Jane and I had the privilege of having our kids here, and they filled that whole front row. There were two missing. One was our oldest son-in-law, who our oldest son, who is our oldest grandson. Let me get it right. Our oldest grandson, who is 18, and the other was our son-in-law. Our son-in-law uh, could not be with us last week because of the situations going on in the world that required him to stay at his post at the base where he serves. And as our family was together, there was this ominous sense of uncertainty that hung over the family, uh, our little gathering. And that dread that we felt because of our son-in-law's position came to fruition this week when we all heard that Russia had invaded the Ukraine and was moving toward the capital with the desire that they would cut the head off of the snake, which they have found to be a little more difficult than they thought it might be. But the past few days, it has been difficult, at least for me, to watch the news. Because there is a a bit of fear in the air created by so many factors surrounding what is now taking place in that part of our world. 
And in my quiet moments, I found myself wondering about war and why we have to fight and why it seems that every generation has to send young men and women off to die. And though that may not affect us yet, and hopefully it won't, it is certainly affecting the people of Ukraine. And as the week progressed, I began wondering again, what, wh what does the Bible say? You see, as I considered this hour this morning, I realized that what I needed was maybe some kind of an answer and some degree of hope. And I think I found the launch point for what I want to say to you today in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, where it says, if it is possible, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now this Bible is a very practical book especially in that particular verse, because it says, as much as it depends on you, as far as it's possible on your behalf, live at peace with everybody. Now that seems to imply that sometimes it's impossible to live at peace with someone. For instance, if someone were to abuse my wife or my children, I probably wouldn't be living at peace with them in any way. But the Bible seems to indicate that most wars are caused by two things, selfishness and pride. I found James chapter 4 in the New Jerusalem Bible very interesting. It says in verses 1 and 2, Where do these wars and battles between yourselves first start? Is it not precisely in the desires fighting inside your own selves? You want something you lack, and you lack it, so you kill. You have an ambition that you cannot satisfy, so you fight to get your own way by force. Whenever there is a battle between nations, between two businesses, a, a battle between an employer and an employee, between a husband and wife, between a parent and a child, whenever there's conflict, somebody, maybe both, is exhibiting selfishness and pride. I want my way. You want your way, and we're going to have conflict. Maybe you remember the story of President Lincoln. He was walking down the street one day with two of his young sons, and they were fighting and quarreling and swinging at one another, and they were just unhappy. And a gentleman coming the other way said, Mr. President, what's wrong with your little boys? And his response was, nothing is wrong with them that's not wrong with the rest of the world. I have three walnuts and each of them wants two. And that is where we are in our world today and sometimes in situations that we face in our own lives. 
One of the writers that I read as I was trying to think about what to say to you today shared a story that I had never heard, but said that there were two cities in Italy years ago, two cities in Italy that fought 22 years over an unreturned bucket. 22 years because someone didn't return a bucket. And I would almost bet you that the end of those 22 years, neither side could understand or remember, remember why they were fighting at all. The Bible says in Proverbs 10, 13, the effect of pride is fighting. Pride only causes fighting. Mr. Putin, Mr. Putin is basically saying in pride, I would sacrifice my nation and my people, and I would rather do that than give up my own fortune and my lifestyle and my power. I heard, as some of you probably did this week, that he is worth personally $200 billion. So Proverbs 13.10 comes into play. It says, the stupid man sows discord by his insolence. And the Bible seems to indicate that there are times when war is the lesser of two evils. It's in Ecclesiastes, that well-known verse that says, there's a time for love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. When you look at the Bible, you find that sometimes war seems to be the right thing to do. And some would argue, well, isn't, especially in religious circles, isn't, isn't it true that Jesus was a pacifist? Maybe not. Because it was this same Jesus who created a whip one day and went into a temple and turned over the tables and drove the people out. He didn't politely ask them to leave. He didn't say, would you gentlemen please leave this area because you're offending me. He forced them out. In Luke twenty-two thirty-six, that's where Jesus told his disciples to sell their coats and buy a sword. Now, let me stop here. Because... Some of you are sitting out there thinking, Pastor, are you a warmonger? That's not where I'm going at all. But the question does become, when is it right? When is the right time to fight? And there are two or three times when the Bible says we ought to fight. One of those is in order to preserve freedom. There are biblical examples of this. Jesus told Joshua that he should wipe out the Midianites, this very oppressive people, an evil people. Or in Numbers 22, God is upset over a tribe that would not fight. And Moses says to them, what are you going to do? Just sit there while the rest of your brothers go to war. Aren't you going to participate? Those are not my words, those are these words. Sometimes we have to decide what is worth dying for. 
And if you don't know what's worth dying for, you may not know what's worth living for. So the Bible seems to indicate that freedom is something that is worth fighting for. But it also indicates that it is worth fighting to defend innocent people. In Proverbs 21, verse 15, it says, When justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous and terror to the evildoers. See, Christians are not just interested in peace. We want peace. But we want peace with justice. And peace at any price isn't peace. It's appeasement. God is not only a God of peace, but he is a God of justice. And that's why the Civil War was fought. People of color were being treated unjustly. But it's days like these that remind us of the old adage that says, all that's necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. John Stuart Mill said, a man who has nothing which he is willing to fight for, nothing which he cares about more than his personal safety, is a miserable creature who has no chance of being free. The Bible also seems to indicate that it's worth fighting to stop the spread of evil. It makes it very clear that God has authorized the government, if you will, to enforce the law and punish offenders. Now, the government of any nation, including the United States, may not live up to that standard, but listen to what it says in Romans 13.4, and I'm quoting from the message this morning. If you're breaking the rules, right and left, or the laws, watch out, it says. The police aren't there just to be admired in their uniforms. God also has an interest in keeping order, and he uses them to do it. There are three simple facts of life that we have to face this morning. We live in a fallen world. Every person has sinned. And wherever there is sin, people hurt other people. But God has established in a fallen world where people hurt each other a set of laws or principles and God has authorized government to enforce those laws because if there is no enforcement, there is no law. It says that if you're, going, if you're doing good, you don't have to be afraid because the, you don't have to be afraid of the law. You don't have to fear the, the government. But if you're breaking the law right and left, watch out. That's just what it says. But pastor, doesn't the sixth commandment say, thou shalt not kill? No, it doesn't. It says, thou shalt not murder. Pastor, is there a difference? Absolutely, there is. C.S. Lewis said, all killing is no more murder than all sexual intercourse is adultery. There is a difference. Our world will never have permanent peace until Jesus comes back. We understand that.
The Bible says that one day Jesus is going to come back to earth a second time. And I love it every time I read it in John chapter 14 when it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. It's Jesus speaking. You believe in God. Believe also in me. For in my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. The Bible says that when he comes back, he's going to set up a reign of peace on the earth. Isaiah and many other scriptures describe it, but this is what it's going to be like in Isaiah chapter 2, King James Version. And he shall judge the nations and shall rebuke many people. And he shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Thank you, God, even now, Lord Jesus, come. That verse is engraved over the United Nations, though they don't understand its meaning. Because what it's saying is Jesus will settle all disputes. There's a coming day of permanent peace when Jesus comes back. I always assume that I know what some of you are thinking. And I'm, I'm usually right. <laughs> some of you are thinking, well, yeah, that's all well and good somewhere out in the future. But what am I supposed to do now? Because, pastor, like you, I have a loved one that's in the service. And I'm really concerned about how this thing could escalate and certainly involve them as well as each of us. So, pastor, what do we do? You wouldn't even call me a pastor if I didn't say, first of all, pray. First Timothy 2, 1 through 2 says, First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, requests, and thanksgivings be offered to God for all people, for kings and all others who are in authority, that we may live a quiet and peaceful life with all reverence. Last week we learned that reverence means love. Reverence toward God and with proper conduct. We are to pray for our leaders, for our president. And I don't know where you are politically, but I, I'm just going to say, in my lifetime, I've never known a president that needed prayer more than the one we have now. And it's not just because of his politics, it's because of what's happening to him physically and mentally and emotionally. He needs our prayers. And so do those who are in Congress and our leaders and our military and the military that's in Ukraine. But the Bible says, and, and Lori mentioned it earlier, that we are to pray for our enemies. 
Matthew 5.44, she quoted it, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. The general population of Russia is not persecuting us. And they have no desire to. Last night, I spend, if I watch TV, I watch YouTube. And last night I got curious about people in Russia. I had never in my life looked up a video about someone in Russia. But I just started looking and I saw a video advertised of... uh, let me show you my apartment. And I thought, well, I'd like to see an apartment in Russia. So I clicked on it. And here was this lovely, young, adult lady. And she started taking uh, those who are watching through this little apartment. Maybe, I think she said 400 meters. Is that less than 400 feet? I don't know. But it was tiny. And she introduced me to her little daughter, must have been about 18 months old. And her husband came into the picture, and she introduced me to him. And she walked me through this little apartment that would be about the size of the bedroom that some of you sleep in. And it had their kitchen and their little living area and a bed over in a corner and and a little bathroom that looked like something out of a a, a small motor home. And you could see the pride in her as she was showing anyone who wanted to look at the place where she lived. And later in the video, she took us down the stairs through a dirty hallway and, and out into a courtyard And the building was dingy, five or six stories, and had been built, she said, I think, if I remember correctly, in the 70s, and and she said there had been no upgrades to it. And so she walked, and we followed her down to the grocery store, and she walked in, and food was there for her to purchase vegetables and other things. And she started picking things up, and they would show you the cost as she picked them up and put them in her little basket. And after she had finished, she went out onto the sidewalk with her bags. And she said, I realized that I had purchased more than I could carry back to my apartment by myself. So she got on the cell phone, her little cell phone, and she said, I called my husband to come and help me. Well, they didn't have a car. So he came in a while walking down the sidewalk, pushing that stroller with that little girl in it. And they loaded up their bounty, and they went back to their apartment where they started putting it away. And as I sat there, I realized this young family has no more interest in a war than you do. That mom wants to watch that little girl grow up That dad wants to see that little girl get married one day and walk her down the aisle. 
those are people there who are struggling with the same fears that you and I struggle with when we hear the kinds of things that leaders who take their responsibilities way beyond what they should be begin to make threats even like those he made again this morning. I pray. Second, I think the Bible indicates that I have to trust God. The Bible says in Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, yet then will I be confident. I want to email that to soldiers in Ukraine. Some of us have members family members who are already being affected by what's going on. Or will be if this thing continues to fester. Fort Carson is already sending additional troops to Germany and other hot spots around the world. Pray for them. And trust God. But the Bible also says that we should seek peace. I mean, what does that mean, seek peace? Uh, we're told that in Psalm thirty-four, fourteen: turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And a lot of us, I know what you're thinking, what can I do? I mean, I have no kind of influence whatsoever in international affairs. But that doesn't just mean to seek peace between nations, but to seek peace in your family and the people you work with and the people you go to church with for the love of God. The people you go to church with. I've pastored four churches as the pastor. I have now served 16 as an interim pastor. And every church that I have ever been a part of is just like this one. We find the things that upset us with other people and we go after them. And we make life within a local church sometimes a living hell rather than seeking peace. And here's what I want to say to you this morning. Get over it. Get over it. William Temple said, We Christians in war are called to the hardest task of all, to fight without hatred, to resist without bitterness, and in the end, if God so grants it, to triumph without vindictiveness. Seek peace. If you're ticked off with somebody, fix it. Boy, you're glad you came this morning. <laughs> and we're supposed to support each other. Let me just list that as the fourth thing. The Bible says carry each other's burdens and fulfill and fulfill the law of Christ. And it's times like this when the church shows itself as a family, if we are. 
We need to support families in this church and families in this community that have loved ones who are scared to death because of the things that are happening. But there's something more important than any of these things that I've already said to you this morning. We need to realize that there is another war going on and it has been raging since the fall of man the Bible says there's a war going on but for the souls of man between God and Satan. And I'm saying to you this morning, if you have never opened your life to Christ, the Bible says you are at war with God. What you need to do is make peace with him. Because if you don't have peace with him, you're not going to have peace with other people. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 says, Jesus himself became like them, you, me, and shared their human nature so that through his death he might destroy the devil who has power over death and in this way set free those who were slaves all their lives because of their fear of death. And Galatians 1.4 says, He died for our sins just as God our Father planned and rescued us from this evil world in which we live. That's the bigger battle. That's the bigger war. Until we submit to who the King of Kings really is and walk in step with Him. I want to pray for you this morning. And especially for those of you who have loved ones that are in the service this morning. And I want to ask you to do something for me. If you have a loved one doesn't have to be your husband, your, your, your wife, your daughter, your son. It can be a nephew. It can be a cousin. It can be someone that's in the service today and you feel concerned for them. I just want to ask you to stand where you are as I pray. Would you do that? Someone you know that you're concerned about this morning. See, my concern is if this thing festers and continues, I've got an 18-year-old grandson. And that makes me real nervous. I have two 16-year-old grandsons. That makes me very nervous. My trust must be in the one who said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Father in heaven, give you thanks today. I praise you for who you are. I give you, Father, worship and adoration. We lift to you those uncertainties that we feel as we watch a newscast. We bring to you those, those sense, that sense of anxiety that can sometimes grip us when we hear a word like nuclear used. Father, we realize that in this world at least, 
we are in kind of a dangerous spot right now. And we lift those concerns to you and those fears to you and that anxiety to you. And we lift to you those represented by these standing just now. Father, asking that you will be with them and grant them courage. And Father, our prayer would be that they will never have to leave the shores of this nation. Or if they're already somewhere else, that they will be safe there. And Father, we lift to you those soldiers who are fighting so hard to protect their land in Ukraine. And Father, I also lift to you those soldiers from Russia who are there probably wondering why they're there in the first place. Somehow, Father, in ways that only you can, I pray for the kind of miracle that took place when a huge army surrounded Jerusalem one day and prayer took place and when the people got up the next morning that entire army from Assyria had been killed or disappeared Father show us your strength and your power in some miraculous way for we need you today And Father, I pray that even during these days of uncertainty that people will be challenged enough about life that perhaps they will make a decision that leads them to relationship with you where they can fight the much bigger war with evil. Thank you for your people today. Thank you for their willingness to listen to something that may not have sounded so much like a gospel message. Father, I pray it didn't just sound like a political speech, but that, Father, we learn something from what your word said more than what this preacher said. And that as we go from this place, it will be with a sense of assurance that you are in charge. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's stand together and sing. My love. 
said a moment ago, but may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. God bless you today.
tenderly. Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me.